I think the misconception is you can't believe in God and also believe in mm-hmm. manifestation because everything comes from God. And I believe that everything co- comes from God, as in also our own brains and the power of positive thinking and the ability to make decisions in our own choices and to be forward thinking and think about the futures that we want to have in our one life here on earth. I think that there is nothing more spiritual than that, in my opinion. And when I'm doing a vision board or I'm putting something out there and I'm saying, I want to bring this thing into my life, am I saying like, I am the end all be all. I'm the only person that can bring this into my world. No, I'm saying I value the life that I've been given. I think everybody's life is a miracle. I value the life that I've been given and I'm going to squeeze every dang last drop out of it. And I'm going to really think about what I want in my future and I'm going to get it. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest and making her second appearance on the podcast is my friend Mallory Irvin. Mallory is a Kentucky-grown Nashville-living dreamer who had a roundabout way of arriving at where she is today. From her time in the Miss America pageant to being a three-time contestant on The Amazing Race, Mallory turned her passion for sharing her love of fashion, beauty, and life into a platform for impact. Today, she runs a global lifestyle brand that she founded in 2016, hosts the Living Fully podcast, and is the best-selling author of the books Living Fully, Dare to Step into Your Most Vibrant Life, and All In, a vision for living fully every day. Mallory encourages and inspires her dedicated following to seek joy and live fully. Today on the podcast, we discuss being attached to achievement and how to remain optimistic when you fall short of your goals. Mallory and I also chat about common misconceptions about manifestation, how to manifest what you want in life, and what you can do if you're feeling overwhelmed in your life. We also get into how to survive the roller coaster ride of parenting, how to navigate difficult times as a couple, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Mallory Irvin back to the Adversity Advantage podcast. <laughs> Mallory Irvin, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's such an honor when somebody asks you on two times, it means you weren't so bad the first time. I know you did really well the first <laughs> time, and it's cool that we're doing it in person this time. And I know when I interviewed you the first time, it was for your book, mm-hmm. Living Fully. And I, yeah. I want to talk about that and not necessarily the book specifically, but I know we talked about in that episode, like how you struggled with addiction to you know external validation mm-hmm. and achievement. And I know you put your blood, sweat, and tears into that book and like gave it like literally <laughs> all that you had. Yes. And it did so well, but I know you weren't necessarily 100% satisfied with some of the things. Maybe talk a bit about your experience. I was like 95% satisfied. This is a part of me, though, that is always going to live within me, I'm sure. So, you know, if you read Living Fully, like, I have been attached to achievement like it was another arm. You know, it was something that was really part of my life growing up, and it was something that I think led to my spiral uh, that I write about in Living Fully. And so it's funny because just like with like addiction or any type of thing that we've talked about before, I think it like rears its head in your life again and again. And so 
you know, with a book, there are certain lists you want to make. And I made the top of like every single list except for one list. And that's the one list that I want to focus on. And it's so frustrating to me, you know, that I think like that because it's like, why not focus on, wow, like, oh my gosh, can you, if somebody would have told me that my book would be, I don't remember what it was on Wall Street Journal, three or five, at the top of a list like that, I would have been like, oh my gosh, A, I wrote a book and B, like it's on the top of that list. But instead, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, well, what's the one thing that it didn't do? And I really try and focus on all the positives. I mean, that book is, I can't remember the last time I looked, that it sold tens of thousands of copies. Uh, Last time I looked, I think it was over almost 70,000 copies of that book, which is crazy. And I get so many DMs and so many people coming up to me in the grocery store being like, parts of this book changed my life, or I didn't know that part of your story. Thank you for sharing it. So that was a reminder to me of how much I still am attached sometimes to external validation. And it's it's a constant lesson that I have to learn over and over in my life. I do it as a parent too, honestly. But yeah, yeah. But I was so pleased with how it did. And then the same thing, I just, um, all in, my next book just came out. And I think, and it's like a journaly type of companion book. And it was like number 18 on Publishers Weekly. And to be in the top 20 books of all nonfiction as a, like a gift book, it blows my mind. Living fully blew my mind too. Mm. Yeah. So. I definitely want to talk about parenting. You mentioned how yeah. this rears its head in parenting, but specifically like when it comes to success and external validation and like metrics, like there's so many people that when they're chasing after this one thing mm-hmm. and they worked so hard and they have a lot of success because they didn't, it didn't go exactly the way they thought it was supposed to. And they didn't get the results that they thought they were supposed to get. Maybe they come close, but they just don't get there. And they just, they don't focus on the 95% yeah. that they did accomplish. They focus on the five that they hadn't. Like through your own experience with dealing with what you just talked about, like what's your advice to somebody that has put in so much work and effort into something, but they didn't necessarily get the validation or achievement that they thought they deserved to get? I think that, you know, until I was 20 something years old, I'd never lost anything. I was valedictorian in my class. I was like a little star in our hometown. I was every single thing I ever did, I'd won. And the times in my life when I feel a little bit short, A, we're on really big stages and B, we're like barely falling short. So it still was pretty good. I mean, I'd never done a pageant really in my life. And then I was runner up in Miss America. No, I wasn't Miss America, but I was runner up. It was almost there. Same thing with Amazing Race. Different seasons, I did different levels that we made it to, but you know, we lost the Amazing Race by like a minute and 30 seconds. Each of those losses, though, changed my life and saved my life. So now I think my advice to myself when I'm like barely falling short is remember where falling short brought you. Had I won Miss America, I wouldn't have gotten to do reality television, which launched my career. Mm. Had I won the first Amazing Race, I wouldn't have gotten to do the second one. Had I won the second Amazing Race, I wouldn't have got to do the third one. And I think that somewhere in there, there's a lesson for me in everything that I make it 95% and it just blows it out of the water, but there's still like one little tiny thing to grasp. And my advice, I think, to people, I think the advice the world gives you is focus on the positives, but in reality, it's not that easy. Right. So I think that my advice to someone in that situation is remember like where the things you didn't get brought you because typically those are the things that really shape us. I mean, what are we on right now? Adver- the adversity advantage, like it is the advantage. The adversity is. 
And if you win everything, it's just like, that's kind of boring too. So my advice would be to remember where those times have brought you because I guarantee you there's a story in their own back pocket. And then, like I said, as much as I don't want to say the cliche, it's try and focus on that positive impact. But it's easier said than done, for sure. It's easier said than done. And I want to talk about parenting, and like I said, and how that relates to external validation and how you're you're raising these kids in a world where so many people struggle with perfection, uncertainty, external validation. You know, I want to talk about manifestation. Yeah. Because I know this is something that that you talk about. What do you think are some common misconceptions about manifestation because I think I think sometimes people just think that they're just I'm just going to sit on this chair mm-hmm. and because I announced that I'm going to be a millionaire that like in 3 weeks like my bank account is mm-hmm. going to have a million dollars in it. A misconception is that it's woo woo and like in the clouds and it's all like you're standing there with like two crystals in your hand and like yeah. in installing your front porch. It's not. In fact, I'm very religious and I personally think that it is hand in hand with like people that are on faith walks like myself. I think another misconception is you just say it once and then it happens, like you said. And then I touched on it already, but like I think the misconception is you can't believe in God and also believe in manifestation because everything comes from God. And I believe that everything comes from God, as in also our own brains and the power of positive thinking and the ability to make decisions in our own choices and to be forward thinking and think about the futures that we want to have in our one life here on earth. I think that there is nothing more spiritual than that, in my opinion. And when I'm doing a vision board or I'm putting something out there and I'm saying, I want to bring this thing into my life, am I saying, like, I am the end-all, be-all, I'm the only person that can bring this into my world? No, I'm saying I value the life that I've been given. I think everybody's life is a miracle. I value the life that I've been given, and I'm going to squeeze every dang last drop out of it. And I'm going to really think about what I want in my future, and I'm going to get it. I think that a lot of people write off a lot of things as like woo-woo or too out there for them, but they are kind of curious in the back of their mind. And to those people or to people who haven't believed in or really thought about like visualization, you are leaving free magic on the table. There is something so unbelievably powerful. Doug, I already told you like my house is a mile away from where we are right now. And like, I wish you could come over and come into my attic, which you can before you leave town this week, and look at my vision boards and see the exact nature of which some of these things come true. It's really wild. And I really wish that the people that have misconceptions about it would just give it a try and not just like say, okay, I'm going to slap this on a vision board and write it off, but actually believe like, hey, I don't know if this can happen, but maybe it can happen because it is, it's really powerful. I wrote a lot about that in my new book because- I just think that it's something that people aren't tapping into enough. So when it comes to manifestation, visualization, we talked about adversity, bringing those two together, because I think a lot of times when they're looking to manifest something or change something or visualize something, it's during times when they're in despair, mm-hmm. during times when they're they're mm-hmm. struggling. And I think sometimes that can become hard because what they want in life is so different from reality of where yeah. they are at that current moment. Like what advice do you have for somebody who's just in the thick of it right now and they want a better life, they want to manifest? Yeah. Like how can somebody begin to take those steps towards creating a better future for themselves? That's a great question. And I remember Gabby Bernstein, who I'm also friends with and I just 
love. I think she's a real light in this space. She always says something to the effect of like, you have to feel good. Like you have to feel good to bring things into your life. But she's also been very open about her addiction, her postpartum depression and, you know, all these things. So obviously like, like us and like her, like she hasn't always been there. I personally think that uh, rock bottom is the most amazing place to build your new life from. Uh, you and I both hit rock bottom in different ways, but man was mine a rock bottom and man was yours a rock bottom. You know, I've heard you talk about your own version of that. And I think that there's power in being in the thick of it because it really shows you loud and clear how you don't want to live your life. And sometimes in like weeding out what you don't want, you can see really clearly what you do want. I also believe that hope and like dreaming about your future is really powerful in getting you out of those slumps and those times. I think that I do truly believe this is another cliche thing, but like what we focus on is really powerful. And I think a lot of people I actually wrote about in my first book, they get really stuck in this spiral of negative thinking and they just want to think like about the negative and they just want to talk about the negative and they just want to just sit and wallow in the negative. I know they don't want to be in it, but they they stay in it. They consciously stay in it by thinking about it, talking about it, being in it. And even if you have to fake it till you make it a little bit, just to climb out and put like one foot in front of the other. And even if it's just a few minutes a, a day, just trying to like find hope in what the future could be or trying to think of the positive things in your life. Maybe you're overwhelmed by 90 negative things, but you have 10 positive things, like just shifting it a little bit. And I also think that part of visualization and manifesting, and that's why I wrote this companion book to go along with Living Fully, is really like assessing where you are in the present time. And so if you're a person that's really in the thick of it or like really in a slump, I think that piece of it is going to be really powerful of being like, why am I here? What is in my life that's bringing me back here? Is it my job? Is it my relationship? Is it my financial situation? Is it an an addiction? Really assessing, like, what are those things that's bringing you to that place? Because on the other side of that, like, what is the opposite of that? That's what you want in your future. That's what you want on your board. Yeah, my advice to those people would be, like, you actually sometimes are in the best place, I think, to build this really vibrant, amazing life. Rock bottom is. It pains like the ultimate lever, right? Like pain, you can kind of press down on it to really give yourself Mm -hmm. some acceleration in your life, right? And you can really use it as a mechanism to move forward and make a transformation. Yes. But pain, can it's also an easy thing at times to pump the brakes on your life and make you in turn like stay in the same spot or even go backwards, Mm -hmm. right? Because of some of the choices you make. Yes, yes. In the Mm -hmm. thick of it. And- I think it's important, yes, to like change your perception, practice gratitude, look at your life in different ways, and just try to develop as much of an optimistic mindset around your reality while staying realistic as you can and and looking for a way to move forward so that you can start to step into this new version of yourself. I think a lot of times what people have a hard time with is they have so many things that they are just that are pulling at them and they're overwhelmed with things, they're overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with people in their life, they're overwhelmed with commitments, they're overwhelmed with certain things that are just consuming them on a daily basis. And sometimes it can take just eliminating some of those to help clear your mind a little bit. Talk, I know you like to talk about this as well. So talk a bit about what are some things that when you have been in moments where, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed, you feel like you're just staring into nothing but darkness. How have you been able to like, you know, evaluate some things in your life that need to go? Yeah. And I think it's different for different people. I mean, there have been times like where if I'm facing, you know, I was facing a drug addiction at one point in time 
in my life. And getting out, out of that darkness was a lot different of a path than kind of the overwhelm. I would say that that's probably my most common thing lately in life. But in both those instances, it's how you just described, like there's too many people, there's just overwhelm. And I think so many times back in the day, I would numb it out and yes, the addiction would get worse. But here and now in my life, when I get the overwhelm and I've got too many voices, too many jobs, too many responsibilities, I think it's also common for me, I'll do two things. I'll either freeze and I'll just be like, I don't want to do anything. Or me as the overachiever, I will get like a hyperspeed. I'll go, 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 go. And I fall back into the old patterns of like perfectionism and overworking and just being everything to everybody and just wanting to win, win, win. And I can do this and like running through a brick wall. And, you know, I think that eliminating the noise in your life is really powerful. So many people are looking for the answers to their questions and the answers to what do I do with my life and where do I go outside of themselves. But so many times, Doug, I really think they're in us And I think that for whatever reason, the noise in our own head or from the outside world is just too loud for us to hear the answer. I think it's really powerful to try and eliminate the noise because there are people, noisy people in our lives that come in that can really, I mean, you can't even hear yourself think for like all the ideas they put in your head and all the words all the time and all the, eliminating the noise is so powerful. So I can't remember what your initial question was, but like to those people, yeah, it like find a way to eliminate that in your life because stress and overwhelm are, I mean, that's that's everybody's like badge of honor right now. Like I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I got too much going on. And I personally, like that's my new thing. I'm really trying not to live that way. Mm-hmm. I have young children and, and I fought for the life that I have now and I love my life. And there's nothing that can take that peace and that joy and that vibrance away like stress and overwhelm. And so I constantly have to eliminate the noise. And it looks like different things at different points in my life, getting out of that overwhelm and that cloud right. that life can become. So do you think for yourself lately in the last couple of years or so, has a lot of the clutter been from people, places, like things and like just stuff that you've been focusing on? Or is it a lot of the clutter and like negative noise in your life come from like your own noise that you create, your own negative thinking. We will get you back to this episode of The Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I have been using for quite some time now. Lately, I have been trying to use it as an alternative to coffee as I am trying to cut back. I can say I think it might be working. Using it can be as simple as adding it to a smoothie or mixing it with water or your favorite nut milk. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com slash Doug Again, it's earthechofoods.com slash Doug to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Me. Yeah, why? 100%. Because it's just how my mind is. 
and it's really powerful and it's like brought me great things, but it also can destroy me. <laughs> I think I've always wanted such a big life and I think that can be the most positive thing in the world and it can also be the most negative thing in the world. And now I would say it's overwhelmingly positive, but there's a part of that like wanting to do it all and be it all and work all like you know every single hour of the day but also be this like fairy tale parent every hour of the day i've always wanted more and more and more and i think i realized in my life and after everything that i went through in my life that like more and more brought me less and less peace and joy and creativity and just it made me less of a of a good spouse and of a good parent and of a good person that I am online to other people. I mean, that's a really easy answer for me. It definitely comes from my own mind. And that's a good thing too, because in a way it's hard, but your own mind is probably the easiest thing to control and get a hold of. You can't control circumstances and people. You can weed out those people like we just talked about, the noisy people and the people that are bad influences. You can shift certain things, but like, you know, I'm I'm very cognizant about making sure that I don't fall into that because I'm my own worst enemy mm. with that. And also in this space, you know, I have a podcast, YouTube channel, books. I'm getting ready to start online courses. I have a big merchandise line. I'm also a parent. There is absolute, there's only a gas pedal <laughs> in the, this space that we're in online. And... The sky's not the limit, like the universe in space is the limit. And that's not great for me. So I really have to put boundaries around myself because, you know, when I know I can do more and more and more and make more and be more and reach more people and do more things, my go-to is is that. Mm. And that is the thing that drove me into the ground and had me spiraling out of control with prescription pill addictions before. And I will not lose my life in a different way to it again. Mm. Thanks for sharing that and being open about it. And I do think that like in many ways, we still, even though we have that thing that bothers us, you said you have, you're not obviously using pills to mask that pain. I'm sure in some ways you have to deal with it now. Like how does that rear its head like in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids? Like how does yeah. this all come up? Well, I think too, like when you're a person that is a former addict or alcoholic or addicted to any kind of process of anything, you lose your numbing agent and you used it for so long you're just a fish out of water, you know, like they always say in, in recovery. And you just feel like everybody else has a Band-Aid that they're walking around with. Something happens like you don't have it anymore. Right. So I think that for the last, you know, nine, I've been in sobriety for, yeah, gosh, it's March. I w Do you lose track or, you Sometimes. know, like to the day? Uh, I mean, somebody asked me, I can kind of think about it, but. I have to kind of think about it. I have to be like, is it eight or is it 10? So it's nine-ish. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that without those things that I used to use to, you know, numb the pain of, you know, I don't usually use the word pain, but like overwhelm feels like pain to me. Of all the things, overwhelm is the thing that feels like it closes in on my life the most. And it's the one that I have to watch because it just rears up over and over again for me. I feel really pretty good about it right now. But for me... I don't have a numbing agent, but I do have a spouse who is really excellent at bringing me back to my center. And that is an unbelievably incredible gift. Mm -hmm. 
my husband was with me when I was in active addiction. He remembers that version of me. And so while I meet people that didn't see me in that version, I can tell him how bad it was. Like he saw it the most. He knows that overwhelm and perfectionism and all those things that live in me still are the things that brought me there. So he is able to keep me in check. And he's also, I have like these weird triggers. Like I'm such a go, go, go person that like I have weird triggers about like naps. I cannot be tired. (laughs) I do not need sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, and I just can't be that way. I mean, I had a newborn baby and like moved 10 days later and I'm like, okay, I'll let me, let's reorganize the drawers and let's, I had a C-section. Like I am just a person that can just get crazy with stuff like that. And he is like, just go rest. Nobody cares if you take a nap. And I'm like, well, I care. You know, (laughs) this comes from me. I'm really grateful to have him that brings me back to center. And if I'm doing too much or like spending less time doing the things that he knows bring me joy, he really helps with that. I also have the things outside of me, you know, whether a lot of people still love the recovery rooms. I have an amazing therapist that's been with me for nine years. I have all the tools that I know I can use when I would usually use other things nine or however many years ago it was that I used to use. So, um, but yeah, that's one thing that I'm really grateful for. You said something that I think a lot of people struggle with, and that is like people when they, they're struggling with perfectionism or they're struggling with addictive tendencies or they're triggered or there's something going on where they're having a hard time and they struggle with like, how do they get support from their partner? How do they get support from their spouse? Like what kind of things can they communicate to their spouse to help them when they're in like a time of distress. So that way they're not only they're taking ownership of like where they're at, but they're also like communicating with like what they need in that moment. It doesn't create more yeah. tension. Mm-hmm. What are some of the conversations like between you and Kyle? Like what does he say to you when you're going through times like this? What mm-hmm. are some of the things that you feel like you need the most when you're having a hard time? Like there's some of the hard times that you've described. Well, I would say like the first part of the question with the first off, I think you have to marry and like date the right person. I think that 20-something-year-old, 30-something-year-old, however old somebody maybe is listening to this that's single, like sometimes people just want it so bad. Like they want to be in the relationship, but they don't get in the right relationship. And if I had married any of the people that I had dated in my 20s, my life would look wildly different. Like I held out. I was in my 30s when I got married and started having kids. Like, you know, A, just like really intentionally choose your partner. But B... I think this happens not only in romantic relationships, but in work relationships and friendships. A lot of people hold a lot in Mm. and they hold it in and it's just like this little tiny bump under the rug. They push something under the rug and then they like push it under the rug again and they push it under the rug again. And by the time it's a huge mountain in the middle of your living room, you are angry. You're saying things that you don't mean that that partner or whoever it is won't forget. It's coming out sideways. So I think that gentle communication is really powerful and just letting somebody in. You don't have to open the whole door up wide, but you can crack the door open and be like, oh, you know, I feel like I was not a good parent today, you know, or something like that. That could be one that I said. That's one right. that I recently said because my daughter is, so I, I, I've been breastfeeding, my, which could be my last baby for eight months. And she's like starting to wean and I'm emotional about that. And Kyle had no idea. And so, like, things were happening. Like, I was just acting, like, a little bit off. Or I would get, like, agitated about something. Or, like, I would be short with the kids. 
And at the end of the day, I said, because I'd been Googling it, like whenever women, like whenever people start to like wean with breastfeeding, like the hormonal imbalances and stuff like that. And I was like, I think I'm like feeling a little bit off with this. And he was like, what can I do as your husband? He had no idea. Like he's just looking at what's coming out sideways. He has no clue. And so I cracked that door open. And the first thing that he said was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know you're feeling that way. What can I do as your husband? And that is such a gift to have a person that's like that. And he doesn't just say it. He really means it. But had I held my breath and just, you know, been short with the people around me or been sad and kept it to myself and just like kind of, it would have looked a lot different. So I think my advice to people is just crack the door open just a little bit and just, you know, I think a lot of people are prideful and they don't want to say I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling down. Or a lot of people have a hypersensitive partner that's like, well, is it something I did? And my husband does not do that. I think that if you have a person that is prone to think it's always something that they did, A, that's their own work that they probably need to do. But you can be specific instead of just saying, like, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling low or I'm feeling anxious. You can just say, you can almost explain, like I did last night. I was like, you know, I'm just feeling sad about, and I stated the situation. So that wasn't even his first, it wouldn't have been Kyle's first thought anyways, but it wasn't his first thought of, is it me? Right. But I, I also think that human beings are just, they're so funny because so many times all it takes is a small connection and minimal communication to fix a problem. And I don't know why we spend so much time like holding our breath and hiding things from people and being prideful because communication and just a little bit of sharing what's really going on is really powerful in life, in relationships, with other people. I really think that we're meant to live in that kind of connection, personally. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so what I'm hearing you say is that you're super blessed and fortunate to have a partner that can kind of not necessarily read you, but be able to communicate with you in a way that Mm -hmm. you feel heard, you feel like loved, you feel like understood, and that he's able to, because he, he knows that it's not necessarily about him, he's able to just make it more about like, what can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to get through this together as a couple. And then if people are with somebody that maybe isn't that secure with themselves, right? They're maybe that, not that emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. Um, their best bet is going to be to really learn how to communicate like effectively, like, hey, like I'm really going through a hard time right now. This has nothing to do with you. This is, this I believe comes from blah, blah, blah. Here's what I need from you right now in this moment, yes. you know, and just kind of move through it yes. that way. But I would also say I was that person with my spouse before we went through what we went through. So we have been bad communicators before. I'm saying this from experience too. I'm not just saying, oh gosh, I found the unicorn and like everything (laughs) is fantastic for me. Kyle and I went to years of couples therapy. I went to six months of rehab. Kyle has had his own journey as well with things. I believe in the power of the help that is out there. And I have an amazing relationship today because of professional help And because both parties really wanted to foster and create and make it through these things that we went through as a couple, like addiction and, you know, all the things that I wrote about in my first book. And I think that that one little piece of maybe stating, like, this is nothing about you. This is like, and and letting them in a little bit on like what you think it might be that's going on. Giving a little bit more detail, I think, can help when you have a hypersensitive partner But I'm telling you, and I hate to just say, like, go see a therapist, go see a therapist. But couples therapists in particular are, 
it's really cool the way that they can, they don't take a side. They just really teach you to how to communicate with each other. And, you know, we haven't been to a couples therapist in four years or so. But then if we needed to pick it back up again, like we know where to go. But I think there's so much power in learning to communicate in any relationship in your life. Yeah. And to those people, too, I would, you know, if you have a partner that that you feel like isn't there yet, like with supporting you, you can find support outside of them. And a lot of times that support can really help you learn to communicate with a partner. So we've talked about how you guys have worked on your marriage. You have this great relationship now where you can effectively communicate with each other, specifically when times are hard. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about like parenting. Yeah. So as a parent, so many people struggle with like, how do I know I'm being a good parent? How do I know I'm being successful? How do I know that I'm actually doing a good job? Like all these things go through their heads. From your perspective, somebody who is like addicted to achievement and always like trying to focus on, you know, being a hundred percent, how do you measure success as a parent now? You have three kids, like how does this all play out? It is a roller coaster that you are strapped into for 18 years. <laughs> and like you have you have some control over it. Like you got on the roller coaster, but then you do not have control over about half of it. And you don't know what's coming next, if it's a high or a low. And you then you get whiplash and then you throw up and then it's just, you know, parenting for me right now is something that's really teaching me a lot about myself and the things I've worked on so much in my life, but it also reveals the things that I still need to work on. But I also think that, especially for moms in particular, that for some reason, there's always like a voice in the back of your head of, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing enough. I'm doing too much of this. I think that it must be something that's innate as a mother to constantly just be wanting to do it better. I don't think it's a bad thing if you don't live in that space because I think that those voices in the back of our head can push us to excellence a lot of times. But sometimes there's not excellence in parenting because there are two parties involved. There's a child who you don't know what you're going to get from day to day. And that child is their own person and human being that is having their own life experience, just like all of us had. And I think that so many people's parenting comes from how they were parented. A, I do believe that. Right. But I also believe a lot of the ways that we parent is really influenced by our culture and society. And we're in a really wild time right now. As parents, we are on the forefront of parenting kids who will not even know life without social media and this forward-facing way that our culture is. And there aren't really books on it yet. And there aren't really therapists talking about it, you know, yet, like, because we're still in it. You hear some conversations around this, but also being a person that is in the public eye, I think about, like, what level of exposure is good? What level is bad? I can't push the fast forward button. So I'm just in it and I'm just doing it and I'm doing the thing that I think is the best, just like my parents did, just like I'm sure your parents did. I hope the decisions we're making are the best. I'll tell you who is the best parent in the entire world is Kyle. Kyle is a <laughs> really great parent. Now he loses his mind sometimes on him and I'm like, get out of the house. Like walk, take a walk around because he's, he's with them a lot. Like he's a big part of their parenting and he's really good. And I think a lot of men are at being like, they're good. Like what's, What's the, what's the issue? Like, why are you worried about it? You're a good mom, great mom. I'm a great dad. Like he doesn't seem to overthink it like I do. And I think that I overthink it out of love, but I probably also overthink it out of this need to be the best that will always be a companion of mine in my life. And 
just wanting to be, wanting to win at the game of parenting. And I want that for my kids first and foremost, but I know that this is a part of me that I, I want this for myself in every sense of the word and everything that I do. So it's funny to say that, but I, I guarantee that's part of it. But also like when you have children too, it's just it's just such a surreal thing that these children, they live in your house with you. They belong to you. You are the sole person in charge of the direction of things. I mean, it's wild. You walk out of that hospital and it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they gave this to me? Like they're going to let me leave with it, this child? And a lot of it is just figuring it out as you go. I didn't read a lot of parenting books and I feel like Kyle and I do it on the fly we're very like fun parents and we care a lot about character and like the how the, our kids end up. We've been looking at schools and I'm like, this is probably the worst thing to say, but academics are not my most important. I want them to have a great education, but academics are not the first thing I look at in a school. I look at things like extracurricular. I look at like character building. I look at leadership stuff because it's just, I mean, how many times has somebody asked you to like, you know, do half the things that we learned in school and the job that you have now. I don't know. Right. It's just really important that they're good, kind kids that also like know what they want to do in life and choose that instead of like what they think Kyle and I want them to do. That's another really important thing to me. You hear a lot about like modeling behavior and the importance of that, like for kids to like be able to like, you know, learn behaviors, learn coping mechanism, all that stuff that's like comes from a lot of it, like watching with their, their parents. So I think you kind of hinted mm -hmm. at that. Like, do you ever worry that, like, you being so focused on at times being the best and being perfect is going to end up, like, rubbing off on your kids? Yes, 100%. Actually, I feel like I am overstating that I'm still in that state yeah. a little bit on this podcast, just a little bit, because I'm actually so far removed from the way that I used to be. It just comes up every right. now and then in different things. I do not want my children to end up crippled by achievement and wanting to be perfect at everything they do in their life like I was. I do also, though, think that my crash and burn brought me this amazing life right. that I have now. So, you know, it can be the catalyst to some of the greatest stuff, but I just hate for them to go through that if they don't have to. But, you know, the funny thing is my parents weren't like that in front of me. Mm. They weren't people that were like, you got to be the best, you got to do the best. They were just kind of like, awesome. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> like right. my siblings made like B's and C's on their report card and they were just like, great job, you know, try and do a little bit better. I made all A's and they were like, great job. You know, it wasn't like this super strict household that was like, be the best. It was all in my brain. Right. It was all self-inflicted. Right. And like I said, I'm pretty good at it now, but I do notice it sometimes here and there, but especially now having a daughter. I really do not want her to have some of those tendencies that I had of like the best or nothing. And I don't think that she will because I'm pretty cognizant of that in my life now. And hopefully I can continue to be. Right. You painted this picture of what parenting is like and that it's essentially like a roller coaster, which I'm sure I'm, if parents are listening. I'm sure they can relate to if they're watching this. They'll be like, yeah, it's definitely how it is. And I think that when you're on different roller coasters in life, I think you can either hold on for dear life with like fear being like, oh my gosh, like when's the next bad turn going to come? When's the next like upside down loop going to come? Like mm -hmm. I'm super scared. I'm going to scream the whole time. I'm going to mm -hmm. cry the whole time. Or you can kind of like 
let your hands go a little bit. And you know what? I got this. I believe there's something mm -hmm. out here guiding it. Even though this is scary, mm -hmm. I'm going to continue on the path. Well said. What is your advice to certain parents that, you know, a lot of times now parents are stressed or overwhelmed. Their kids might be acting up and they let that impact their view of themselves. Like what are some of your best practices that maybe the audience might appreciate hearing that of how you kind of keep yourself somewhat even keeled like while on this roller coaster? Yeah, I think that was really well said too, how you just said that. I really like that. I'm going to remember that as a parent <laughs> because sometimes like in my life, I am like gripping on to, you know, if you're gripping on, on the roller coaster, like you're going to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like really bad. Like you're going to slip a disc. <laughs> <laughs> so you really got to kind of like go with, and I'm also on one of those roller coasters where they're like taking your picture the whole time, you know, yeah. because here I am parenting like on the camera for everybody to see. So, you know, I'm on that kind of roller coaster and everybody's buying the picture at the end and they're like, look how she's doing, you know? So I think that the more you can kind of consciously, but go with the flow and be like, Hey, this is life. All of this stuff is not a direct reflection of me. I think it's always better. Now, I don't think you should be so loosey-goosey that you're like, yeah, whatever happens, happens, because I do think that you have to have an intentional hand in parenting kids. And I see it with my kids, because we're really, like, fun, go with the flow. We're, we live, in my life right now, like, we live really happy lives that have a lot of joy in them. And people will comment about that, you know, about our kids, and they're like, they're you know, they're so happy. They're happy kids, and they're like, they're just like y'all. I believe that kids really reflect the attitudes and the ways that their parents are, the ways that their homes are. And I really try and be the way that I hope my children will be versus like tell them the things that these are the ways that we are and these are the ways that you're supposed to be. That was always so powerful in my life growing up around the family that I did. It's always like what's modeled to you is so unbelievably powerful. So I think that kids can really feel nervousness and fearfulness and I'm not doing this right. So, you know, when I feel like that, I try not to, I really try and shift that. I really do. I think that kids can feel when, when you're uneasy, right. especially young kids. It's funny, like the times in my life where something's been going on and I'm not even saying anything out loud. And like, you can see a child come up and like, look at you in the face and put their hands on you and you know that they can feel it. So I think that yeah, while a lot of times, like when the roller coaster starts, <laughs> I want to hold on for dear life or I want to get off of it in the middle, but you can't. Just kind of going with the flow and letting it be your own ride, too. Just like we were talking about noisy people, there are a lot of people with, I would say, the strongest opinions about anything out there are the opinions that people have about parenting. And people can get so obsessed with those opinions and People can also not assess their own family and the way that you want to be. And they just listen to the way that everybody on the outside says, like, this is what makes a happy home. And I wrote a little bit about this in my first book, but my dad from a really young age taught us all, like, choose your own happiness, like define what makes you happy or else like society will define it for you. They'll say at 35, this is going to make you happy, Doug, like you need this spouse and this many kids and this kind of job and like you'll be happy or at 65 retire and play golf you know my dad climbs mountains like mount everest and like all of these cra it is the most miserable thing that i've ever heard in my entire life like listening to how they live as they're climbing these mountains but that is his joy and his happiness and like 
he always says to us, he's like, if I would have heard other people describe how this was and how I should do things differently, I never would have climbed my first mountain. And it is his joy. I apply that philosophy to a lot of my life and especially parenting. I know what works for my family. And sometimes it's different. It's actually a lot of times different from what works for other families. It's funny because like we grew up country, fresh, free range kids on the farm. Right. And my mom is funny and she's always like, you got, you're, they're doing too much. They're doing, <laughs> you don't need to take them to trampoline place. You don't need to. And I agree with that somewhat, but also like my kids are different. They live in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. And sometimes like I have to take it with a grain of salt when she says that. And I'm like, you know what? She didn't mean anything in saying that because we were free range kids. We didn't need to go anywhere during the day. But that's me choosing this is the best for my kids. My kids need more activities. And I wish it wasn't like that, but it is like that, you know. And so I think as a parent, you really have to assess and choose what works for you as a family, as a parent, and make decisions out of that. Yeah. And to kind of bring everything kind of full circle, like we've talked about, like obviously stuff that you've struggled with. We've talked about your marriage. We've talked about like like parenting and stuff around that. I know one of the things that you're really passionate about is legacy. Mm -hmm. Like how does like you thinking about legacy, how does you and Kyle thinking about y'all's legacy, like how does that help impact decisions? How does that help you not necessarily sweat the small stuff when it happens and just continue to be focused on the bigger picture? Bigger picture is always like going to get you where you want to go. I mean, I feel like if I'm ever in a state of anxiety or overwhelm, I can zoom out to the bigger picture, even if it's like a three to five year and it just alleviates so much of that pressure of that hyper-focused way that we all get. And legacy is the biggest, biggest picture picture that you can think of. And I also, like, I was raised in a family who was obsessed with passing down our family story, passing down these are the things that matter to us. These are the things that we do. These are the things that we went through. And so I think that a lot of that was inherited, but then— in my own life, you know, I think the first step that I took in creating my own legacy was going to treatment and spending six months away in a treatment facility. If you had told me that when I was standing on the Miss America stage, like a few years before that, or doing all of these things, these shiny, big, pretty things that like, this is where you're going to end up. That was such a big pill for me to swallow. But I also thought about my life. And like the way I wanted to be remembered and the way that I wanted it to be like at the end of it. And I was like, this is a legacy decision right here. Mm. I'm not going to live like this anymore. And so I try, I called it in my first book, like legacy mode. I think that so many people want to think about their legacies at the end of their lives. And I try and live in it every day. So if I'm being short with my kids, I think about like the legacy of the parent that I want to be. I, I try to think about it big picture. If I'm making a big decision in my business, maybe I've got this big high paying opportunity that I'm like, gosh, I, you know, I should really do this, but it's going to take a lot of time away from my family or blah, blah, blah. I'm, I try to make a decision like, what's the legacy that I want to leave? Do I want my kids to remember me like working hard and making a lot of money or do I want them to remember me being present? I try to make my decisions based on that. I just really, very simply, I just try and bring like those that legacy into the present. I try and live every day. I think about legacy every single day. Mm. And when I get stuck, I really try and zoom out to like, I know it's funny to be like, what do I want my legacy to be? It sounds like like a founding father to think <laughs> like that all the time. But uh, I believe it's powerful because I think it takes you out of that hyper-focused moment 
And it helps you to make the right decision based on the things that are priorities to you, not just like whatever's right in front of you. So beautifully said. And I think it's a great place for us to to stop our conversation because everything has kind of come full circle. Like you just talked about, like thinking about the bigger picture and how that relates to like when you're like going through something challenging and you need to make a change, like thinking about like, okay, this might be a short-term sacrifice. This might be a short-term pain, yeah. but it can lead to long-term fulfillment, happiness, and success. So Mallory, this has been amazing. I want to thank you once again for coming on the show. I think people are going to really love our conversation. They're going to want to connect with you. Where's the best place to find you online? Where can they get their books and stuff like that? You can find you can find me anywhere. So Instagram is where we live a lot. So that's just Mallory Irvin. And then I have a website that has everything from merch to books to YouTube channel and all that. And my books are everywhere. Everywhere you can get a book, my book is. So yeah, and thank you to anybody that's listened to this. I just have to say also, just because I know you personally and like you and I have become friends, like I always like hearing this from guests, but- Doug is just the best in real life too. You're such an amazing off the podcast, just connector of people. You're just like four people. You will do anything for anyone. I feel like, I mean, you've connected me to some of the hardest, you know, podcasts to get on or people. And you're just like, so for other people. And I just wanted to say that because I just, I think you're really just a great human being. So. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. I really do. And you're an amazing person too. And oh, I'm glad that we've connected and and I'm just really thankful that, to to have you as a friend. And then also that you've been able to come on and just share some amazing wisdom with, with my audience. And for those listening, I know you're going to really enjoy this conversation. And what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something yeah. that, that Mallory said when it came to perfectionism or manifestation or external validation. Maybe it was something that she said about parenting or legacy or her relationship with Kyle. Whatever the takeaway was, make sure to tag Mallory, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.